for the past, uh, I guess almost three and a half months, almost four months, we've been in a, in a, in a study, in a series on the Holy Spirit. We, we just called it Come Holy Spirit. And we've looked at all kinds of things uh, with regard to the Holy Spirit. We've looked at, at the work that He does in salvation. We've le- looked at how He empowers believers, the different ways. We, we looked at all kinds of things. And today, there's, I don't know, I don't know if, if many of you will remember, there used to be a radio broadcaster. His name was Paul Harvey. Okay, Paul Harvey would would tell stories, and then at the end of the broadcast, they'd go to commercial, and he'd say, he'd come back, and he'd say what? And now for the rest of the story. There is a balance in Scripture, okay? Now, I am, a, I am a more of a positive person, an optimistic person, than I am a pessimistic person, okay? I'm, I'm not very pessimistic. I always look at the good side of things. But there is a balance in Scripture, okay? And I think it's important that when we study something that we look at both sides. We look at the balance. And today's sermon is going to be about the balance. We've been talking about, for, for the, like I said, for the last almost four months, about what will happen if we listen and pay attention to the Holy Spirit. If we learn to hear His voice and we learn to do what He says and, and we learn to operate in the gifts that He's given us and we, and we learn uh, how to be filled and, and, and to enjoy that filling and we learn how to pray and ask for Him to baptize us in that power. Those things are positive things. But there is also a negative side of this, okay? And that's if, what if I just decide to do what I want to do? What if I decide to just to ignore God? What if I decide to, to pay a little attention but not a lot of attention? And so today I just want to talk about that a little bit and I want to I share the rest of the story as Paul Harvey would say, okay? There are, one of the things I've learned as a, as a believer is there are two words that we should never use when we respond to God. There are two words that should not even be in our vocabulary when we're communicating with Him. And the first word is a little conjunction, and it's, it's but. But. Y'all ever use that when you're talking to God? When He's talking to you? That little word, it's, it's a little tiny three-letter word, but it means, it indicates that you believe there's another way to do what God wants you to do other than the way God wants you to do it. Okay? But God. Nelson, I want you to say this. But God. <laughs> They're going to think this. They're going to, but God. I mean, have you ever done that? It shows you either believe you know better than God or you don't have enough faith to trust God. So we don't need to use the word but. The second word is no. You never tell God no. Saying no is paramount to the worst thing you could do when it comes to the Lord God. It means that, hey, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. I refuse to do it the way you want to do it. I will not. How many of you are parents? You remember when your babies were about 18 months, 2 years old? They beginning to beginning to speak. Well, they probably learned to speak a little earlier than that. But what was one of the first words they learned? No. They don't say no. They say no. Johnny, eat your food. No. Okay. 
That's the same. You remember the effect it had on you? Okay. It has the same effect on God. Both of those words produce disastrous results in our life. And they produce produce disastrous results in our relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Obedience, and and you've, you've heard me talk about these things. Obedience brings the blessings of God. But disobedience brings His discipline. And if his discipline doesn't turn us back, it, bring, it brings judgment very often. We lose our blessings. And there are numerous examples in the Old Testament and New Testament that, that indicate that the Holy Spirit will bestow or he will withdraw his blessings based on obedience. Whenever the nation of Israel would obey God, they enjoyed his blessings. And when they stopped obeying and they refused to obey, he withdrew his blessings. He withdrew his protective covering from them. And they, they were at the, at the, at the, uh, the, 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 got a blank here. But they were at the mercy of the nations around. They were at the mercy of the enemy. Another way of putting this is that the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives will be stronger and evidenced by blessing when we obey. Okay, now that's, that's a truth you can write down. Whenever we obey, the, the evidence and the, and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit will be more evident in our life. But it's equally true that when we don't obey, His presence and His power will be weaker and His blessings will be non-existence when we disobey. Now, here's the thing about it. The choice is up to us. We, we have a say in this aspect. If we'll obey Him, He'll bless us. If we won't obey Him, He won't bless us. Listen, I know what some people begin to think when I, st- I talk about obeying. Well, that means I've got to do certain things. No, here's what Jesus says. If you love me, it will be proven by your obedience. If you love me, you will do what I say. It's proof that we love Him. He doesn't need us to do things to gain His love. It just means when we actually obey Him, it means, yes, we do believe you. Yes, we do love you. And so today I want to share what the Bible says, some negative responses. There are four of them, in fact. And, and some we don't very often preach on some of these. And one of them I've never heard a sermon on, okay? I, I, I don't remember ever hearing one. I don't, I'm not going to preach a whole sermon on it, but I'm just going to touch on it this morning. But there are four negative responses that result in disaster in our lives if we disobey the Holy Spirit, if we refuse His direction whenever we say no. And I mentioned over and over and over through this series that the Holy Spirit is very gentle. He's very sensitive. He's likened to a dove. That's one of the, 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 the symbols that illustrate him. And if you know anything about doves, doves are very gentle birds. They're, they're not, they, they will flee loud noises. I love to get up and, and go outside early in the morning or late in the afternoons and listen to the doves coo. But if you make very much noise, they leave. They're not like pigeons. I mean, you can kick through. How many ever been downtown? You have to kick your way through the pigeons, okay? The Holy Spirit's gentle, but the pigeons are not. The pigeons are loud, okay? And what has happened is we've developed a pigeon religion that's loud and obnoxious and doesn't listen and doesn't pay attention to God. And so today we're going we're to look at these things and we're going to learn 
to listen a little bit better. I, I keep saying this over and over. Listen, when you miss it, you just, like I do, God, I missed you. I need to make this straight before we go on, okay? It doesn't embarrass me. I want to hear him worse than I care what you think about me, okay? I, I want to hear his voice. I want to make sure that, that, that I don't lead us into a place he doesn't want us to go. And so we have to learn to listen to him. We have to respond when he gives us direction. And listen, if we miss it, he's very gentle and he just, he becomes a little more forceful and he says, okay, you missed it. Here's what I, and, and we just pay attention. Because listen, if you don't, the next time he speaks, it will be harder to hear him. And if you continue to say no or, no, or you disobey or you don't pay attention, it will get to the place where you can't hear him at all. Disobedience, whether it's total or partial, affects our hearing and it affects the sensitivity of our heart. It, it's, it's not, the problem's not with the intensity of his voice, the problem is with our hearts. Okay? It's with our hearts. We sometimes forget that the Holy Spirit, He's God. But we forget that He's also a person. And that He has has feelings. He has genuine feelings, Scripture says. And so He can be grieved by our responses, whether they're in thought, or they're in word, or they're in action. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit, it produces disastrous results in our life. I want you to look at at what Paul tells the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 through 30. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for advocation according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear it. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Paul is, is, is it, we, we, we lift that verse out and do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We lift that out and we talk about it and we preach about it and we teach about it. But we lift it out of the context of which he wrote it. And the context here is what we say with our mouth. We can grieve the Holy Spirit with our words. He points out very clearly that our words have the ability to grieve or, or literally to cause sorrow to the Holy Spirit. And that happens when we use rank language or worthless language or disgusting talk. Now that can mean bad language, okay? But that's not, I, want, I don't want you to miss this. In this passage, what he's really referring to is gossip and slander, and what we've come to call prayer requests. Okay? And, and let me qualify that. Okay? Prayer requests that are intent on giving destructive information instead of voicing a genuine need. It's nothing more than gossip. It's nothing more than slander. But that's, how we, that's what we tend to do in the church. We need to pray for sister so-and-so. You know her husband. It's just worthless. Y'all never heard that? I've heard stuff like that. Worse than that, okay? I can't even go where I would like to go because it's just, I don't need to go there. But what the Holy Spirit, those things grieve the Holy Spirit. 
We don't, when we say things like that, we don't really care about the person we're praying for. We just want to disseminate some destructive news. And that destructive news grieves the Holy Spirit, folks. Anything that injures someone or sparks dissension or division grieves the Holy Spirit. Sometimes all we need to do in those cases is, guess what? Shut up. I can say that in church. I can't say that to my granddaughter, okay? Because that's a dirty word. But we need to learn to shut up. Listen, here's something I've learned as an adult. If I think it, I don't necessarily need to say it. I've had people in in counseling situations, well, the Bible says that if you think it, it's just as bad as doing it. That's not exactly what the Bible says, okay? I always do this. I say, well, you think that's true? Well, yeah, if if I'm going to think it, I might as well do it. Okay, well, you know, I'm sitting over here on this side of this, and I've got a gun in my drawer. I didn't really. I told a story. But I've got a gun in my drawer, and you know what? I'm tired of listening to you, and I've been thinking, I really like to shoot you. (laughs) Do you think I need to go ahead and do that? Oh, no, 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 no. Of course, that ends that counseling session pretty much. But listen... If we don't say it, the only person I, if I think it, but I don't say it, the only person I have to deal with is God. Once it escapes my lips, very often it does irreparable damage that I can't deal with, that I can't fix. So we've got to learn to control our mouths. And our mouths are the number one thing that grieve the Holy Spirit. They cause him sorrow, folks, because it denies the truth and the holiness of Jesus that he wants to convey through every person who belongs to Christ. Now, we can grieve him with our mouths and our thoughts and our acts, but we can also grieve him by resisting him. In Acts chapter 7, there's a story there about Stephen, and Stephen is, is, a, is, a, is a, a deacon, basically. He waits the tables, but God has gifted him in miraculous ways. And, and man, he's preaching, he's doing the work of, of Jesus, and, and all of a sudden he finds himself at odds with the Sanhedrin, with the Jewish leadership, the very same people who just a few years earlier had crucified Jesus Christ. And so he finds himself at odds with them. And, 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 and he begins to, to, to defend what he's doing. And they begin to ask him questions. And, and they basically want to execute him. They want to kill him because he's imitating Jesus. And so they resist the message that the Holy Spirit is declaring through Stephen to the nation of Israel. They come against it. They say, we don't want that preached. We're, we, you got to stop. We, we've already killed Jesus, and you know what? We'll kill you too. And so Stephen in Acts chapter 7, verse 51, he finally comes to the place and he declares this. And he says, you men who are stiff-necked and are uncircumcised in heart. Boy, that, that's a way to win friends and influence you. Okay, he says, you men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. When we disobey the voice of the Holy Spirit, we're saying no. 
We're resisting what he wants and we're resisting uh, what he intends to do. And what happens is we grieve him. So we can grieve him by refusing to do what he says. We can grieve him by resisting him. We can grieve him by saying things that we don't need to say. But not only can we grieve the Holy Spirit, but we can also quench the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, we have a command there. It says, do not quench the Spirit. Now, that word quench is to pour water on. That's literally what it means. It's to, it's to smother out. And the Holy Spirit is pictured as fire. That's one of the symbols. We've looked at that uh, here when we looked at the, symbol, the symbols of the Holy Spirit. He's, he's seen as a fire. We see that on the day of Pentecost when the, when the tongues of fire settle. It's, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit. And literally what Paul is saying here is don't put him out. Don't pour water on him. Don't quench the Spirit's fire. Literally what he's saying here is, is, is stop pouring water on what God is doing. Very likely Paul's addressing with the Thessalonians the use of gifts in the worship service. Now, the gifts were meant to be used in worship. They were meant to be used in service. And in Corinth, if you remember the, what takes place in the, in, the, in the church there at Corinth, there was an inappropriate use of the gifts. And Paul deals with that. But here in Thessalonica, there's, there's a swing all the way over. Those in leadership were, were, were kind of overreacting to the gifts. And, and they were a little overzealous in trying to control them. In, in, in Corinth, they were wide open and needed some, a few controls. In, in Thessalonica, they were smothered out. In both places, they weren't operating like they were supposed to operate. And so Paul says, there's a balance. There's an order. But listen to me, when we repress the gifts of the Spirit, when we repress certain gifts because we don't understand them or we don't like them, folks, we are pouring the water of unbelief, the water of fear, the water of false teaching, the water of arrogance on the fire that He has sparked or is sparking in a body. The gifts of the Spirit, I believe this, I believe that all of them were meant to be used to build up the body of Christ. All of them are still in existence, and all of them are needed in our church, okay? If He's given them, we need them. We can't pick and choose the ones we're comfortable with. We just have to trust the Holy Spirit to sovereignly give us exactly what we need when we need it. Now the proper way to do what I'm talking about is to allow those people that are gifted in certain gifts to share it in a decent and an orderly fashion what the Spirit is doing through them or what the Spirit's saying through them so that we can edify the body. Listen, just because we don't understand a gift or we've had some bad teaching or a gift makes us afraid, we don't need to smother it out. We're not supposed to smother it out. That's quenching the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. If if you have a spiritual gift and you're fearful of using it because you're fearful of what might happen, that's quenching the Spirit. If I refuse to allow what, what God wants to do through me through a specific gift because I fear what might happen, what somebody might say, that's quenching the Holy Spirit. There is an orderly and a biblical way 
for every gift to be used. We simply have to find it, okay? We have to find what it looks like, how it works, and allow the fire of God to blaze. It's far, listen to me, it's far easier to, to, to stoke a fire that's already burning than to start one from cold, dead ashes, okay? Sometimes you get wildfire. A, a, a pastor whom I greatly respect told me one time, he says, wherever the presence of God is, there's real fire, there's wildfire. He said, you know what you do with the wildfire? You take away the fuel. You go to that person. And you lovingly share what Jesus is doing. And, and most of the time, it goes out. He says, the presence of God doesn't need any fuel. It'll burn on a rock. That's another sermon for another day. Okay? So we can quench the Spirit when we don't allow Him to work in our midst. When we don't allow Him to use the the power and the gifts that He's given the church so that, that she can build herself up and so that she can reach the community. There's another level. Each one of these is, I mean, when you... How do I want to put this? When you grieve the Spirit, it's here. When you quench the Spirit, it's here. They they go up in intensity. The next one is resisting the Spirit. And maybe a better way to put it is a hardened disobedience to the Spirit. And what happens in that case is, you could really call this a hardened heart. You have a person who's a genuine believer, but their heart has become hardened. It's become cold. It's become distant. Listen, if you refuse to listen to the Holy Spirit when He wants to guide you and when He tries to to help you in situations, and then you continue to do that over and over and over, you know what happens to your heart? It calcifies. It gets hard. Your ears get deaf. And what happens very often is that the discipline God sends has no effect on you. And God has to judge us. He has to deal with us. If you look at Acts chapter 5, it's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They were believers. Okay, and you say, boy, this is a start one. Could you not find another one in Scripture? <coughs> well, this one's pretty eye-opening, okay? They sold a piece of property. And it was their property and their money to do with whatever they pleased, okay? They cooked up a plan, though, to keep back part of the profit, but to act like they were giving it all to the Lord. And so they made a big show. In fact, they came, they didn't come together. You ever wondered why they didn't come together? Well, if you do it twice, it just makes it bigger, makes it more spectacular, And so what happens is they wanted to look really good in the eyes of the apostles and they wanted to look really good in the eyes of the congregation and they wanted that pat on the back. They wanted the accolades. They wanted the status. So they decided to lie. And they refused to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I will guarantee you the Holy Spirit was working. He was speaking. He was speaking. I don't know how many days this took before they cooked this plan up. I don't know how long it took to sell the land, to get the money. I don't know all that. But I'll guarantee you the Holy Spirit 
was speaking. But they weren't listening. Their hearts were getting harder and harder and harder. And this is what, when Ananias comes in, this is what Peter says in in verse 3 and 4 in in Acts chapter 5. He says, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And you know what happened? Boom. He dropped dead. His wife, Sapphira, comes a few minutes later. I don't know how long exactly, but she comes with the same exact story. And Peter asked her in in verse 9, he says, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, to the test? And you know what happens? Boom. They didn't have a double wedding that day. They had a double funeral. She drops dead. The blessings end in their lives and judgment falls. They were born again, folks. They were a part of the body of Christ. But their hearts were hardened. And they chose to disobey what the Spirit of God was telling them. Listen, don't harden your heart to the voice of the Spirit of God and expect to do whatever you want to do. It just won't happen, okay? I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm just being real, okay? God will not allow you or me to drag His name through the gutter, okay? God's not patient forever. There's a verse of Scripture, Be not deceived. Whatever you sow, you shall also reap. There comes a place when we need to say, God, I've messed up. Forgive me. And you know what happens? Boom, God forgives. But if we decide to say, No, God, I'll do it my way, 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 God will say, Then do it your way. And folks, our way is not the best way. Okay? It takes us in places we don't want to go. It takes us through things that we don't want to endure. So we don't need to harden our hearts. We don't need to to grieve Him. We don't need to quench Him. We don't need to harden our hearts against Him. There's one other level of offense against the Holy Spirit that's far more than grieving or quenching or acting in hardened disobedience. It is possible to offend the Holy Spirit in such a way that His convicting work will not be brought to bear again in a person's life. Okay? Now, there's lots of discussion as to what that is. There's a term for it. It's called the unpardonable sin. Okay? Now, I've heard preachers preach all kinds of things about the unpardonable sin. I've, heard, I've even heard preachers say that, that that can't even happen now because Jesus is not here. Well, that's, all of that's good and well, but that's not what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus has just encountered a, a person who had a, a demonic spirit that was demonized, and that, that de- demonic spirit was causing deafness and was causing blindness. And Jesus dealt with that spirit. He dealt with that man. He gave the man's sight back. He gave the man's hearing back. And all of a sudden the man could hear and he could see. 
And, and, and people are, they're, they're just kind of running around there. They, they can't believe this. I mean, it was, I mean, it blew their minds. I'm going to turn over there because there's some things I want to, I want to say it. it, it they were, I mean, there was a huge crowd and, and it says the crowd was amazed. And they were questioning, is it, this man, is this the, the Messiah? Is this the son of David? This man can't be the son of David, can he? They were, there was a roar. There was, a, there was a, a, a roar in the crowd. This may be the Messiah. Okay? That's one crowd. There's another crowd there, though. The, the religious crowd, the, the Pharisees, who knew what Scripture said, who knew that only the Messiah would be a, able to deal with a, a mute spirit, that, that was one of the signs they were to look for. Because the Jews believed that if a person was mute and they were demonized, that the, that the demon couldn't speak, and therefore they couldn't cast it out because they couldn't get its name. And so there was, a, there was that belief. And so, but they were saying, this man casts out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. They attributed the work of the Holy Spirit that manifested himself through the Son of God, through, through Jesus, they, they attributed that work that the Spirit of God was doing to Satan. This is the work of the devil. Don't miss this, okay? This is the work of the devil. They said it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was the devil empowering Jesus to do what he did. And folks, that is a very, very serious accusation. They refused to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit's work, that he chose to work in a way they didn't think he would work. They chose to, that he chose to work in a person they didn't really care for. Who didn't act like they thought he should act. Who didn't have a three-piece suit on. And his hair slicked back. Designer shoes. He didn't act that, he, he, he didn't act that way. He, he, he wasn't dressed that way. And so they refused to believe that he was who he claimed to be. Listen, the, I'm going to read you the words of Jesus. Now in my Bible, they're red. Okay? Which means they're the words of Jesus, okay? He said these things. This is not what somebody else thinks he said. These are, what, these are the words he says. Don't you listen to me. He, he goes through verse 25 through 29, and I'm not going to read that, but he basically says that a, a house that's divided against itself can't, it can't succeed. If Satan casts out Satan, what, that don't make no sense. He just refutes their argument, okay? And then he, and then he says this, in verse 30. He said, He who is with me, who is not with me, is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, listen to this. Therefore I say unto you, Any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people. But blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. Okay, so what shall not be forgiven? Blasphemy against the Spirit. Okay, what's the context of the passage we're looking at? They have attributed the work of the Holy Spirit that Jesus did to the devil. Okay, this is the devil's work. These healings, the devil's doing. These gifts that are manifesting, that's the devil. Okay, that, that's what Jesus is saying. I'm not, I'm not dragging anything into the context. That's the context of this passage. 
But blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. Listen to verse 32. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven. You know, you can, you can wonder, okay, is Jesus really who he says he is? I mean, that's what the other crowd were doing, okay? Is, is this guy, is, is he really the Messiah? They were questioning, okay? But the other crowd weren't questioning. They were making judgments. This is the work of the devil. Jesus says, whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. That's what God says. That's not what I say, okay? That's the word of God. It shall not be forgiven him, either either in this age or in the age to come. You know what? Sometimes when you don't understand something, it's advantageous to be quiet. Or to use the word I'm not supposed to use around my grandchild, shut up. Just shut up. I've seen things that I didn't understand. Okay? I couldn't explain. I didn't know how to balance them in my theology. You know what happens when that happens? It's better to shut up. Okay? You don't understand what's happening, or you can't explain it, or you've never seen it happen before, or you believe things like this don't happen anymore, then you know what? It's better to shut up. Scripture says in the Old Testament, even a fool looks smart when he keeps his mouth shut. Listen. I don't have to be able to explain the work of the Holy Spirit. Neither do you. I don't have to. I don't, he doesn't expect me to explain it. Listen, God doesn't. This is something God's showing me in the last few weeks. God didn't expect me to explain everything. He just wants me to experience Him. Okay? Jesus wanted that man who had those demonic spirits, He wanted him to experience the love and the grace and the mercy of God. He didn't try to explain it. He just did it. Everybody else around wanted to explain it. Folks, God's not limited. He doesn't have to do things the way that He's done them in the past. He does new things. Just because I don't understand it, or I've never seen it done like that before, or I don't believe He does those things anymore, doesn't mean I know what's going on. And listen, I certainly don't need to attribute something I don't understand to the work of the devil. Okay? Now listen, I tremble to say this, but I have heard this before. I have heard pastors preach these kind of things. I have heard teachers teach these kinds of things. Prominent pastors that have tremendous ministries. Simply because they don't believe these things happen anymore, they preach against it. Okay? I'm not judging them. I'm not judging. I'm just saying I don't want to go there. Okay? I don't want to be responsible for that. But what I hear and what the Pharisees were doing are not any different. And this is what Jesus says. This is what they're saying. Well, you know how they do that? You know that gift there? You know how they make that work? Or you know how they heal? They do it 
by Beelzebub, by the devil. It's the devil's works. They take the verse, in the last days, there shall rise up false teachers, and they shall do this, and they shall do this, and they shall do that. Well, we've been in the last days since Jesus died, okay? But yet the church has a clear stream of miracles and, and, and workings of gifts and working of wonders from the first till today, okay? It, the stream has never been broken. It's, it may have gotten thin and narrow, but it never dried up, okay? And so we have to be very careful in attributing what is going on. Oh, you know what? That's just the devil. Well, you know what? I may have blasphemed the Holy Spirit in those little words. So we don't think about that. We think it's some grand thing we have to say or do. It's not. It's attributing the work of the Spirit to the devil. That's what the unpardonable sin is. That's the one that's never forgiven. Or at least that's what I think the text says. That's what the context teaches. Listen, I, we're supposed to test the spirits. Okay? I'm not saying we don't. But testing the spirits and attributing to the spirit or the, what the spirit has done to the devil is a, is a, a big jump. Okay? It's a big jump. So we have to be careful if our theology or if our faith or if our God is too small. Okay? Listen, we don't serve a little God. Okay? We serve a God who is infinite. Infinite. Nothing can contain Him. Listen to me. I I don't want you to be fearful today. I just want you to have the whole truth, okay? We can quench him. We can grieve him. Our hearts can be hardened, and we can turn our backs and disobey him. And then ultimately, folks, if we're not careful, there's a progression there. Those Pharisees didn't just get there overnight. They stopped listening to God. They stopped following the direction of the Holy Spirit. Their hearts calcified and got hard until finally they said, you know what, this is not God. This is the work of the devil. And Jesus said, you know what, there's no forgiveness for that. Not in this day or in the age to come. Listen, the Holy Spirit won't force himself on us. He won't make us do something against our will. But if we resist him and quench him and oppose him, then his empowering departs. It leaves. Okay? Now, I want you to hear me. He doesn't leave. He doesn't leave. He doesn't move out. He's indwelt us forever. It's not that, 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 that he stops. It's that we can't hear him anymore. Because we got so hard-hearted and so cold. That we've locked him in. And we're doing our own thing. I want his blessings. Okay? And I want to be a part of a church that hungers for his blessings. If we oppose him, and if we won't listen to him, folks, then those decisions result in disaster. But I don't want to close there, okay? If we listen to him, and we humbly 
Go after him. God, I don't understand. I've been taught all different kinds of things. I don't know exactly what's true about some of them. You're going to have to show me. You're going to have to teach me. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk with you day by day. I'm going to put my ears on. And I'm going to listen. And if, if I think I'm hearing you, I'm going to step out in faith. And if I fall flat on my face, then maybe I didn't hear you or maybe I didn't hear exactly what you said. But you know what? I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to get up, dust myself off. I'm going to say, God, speak to me again. Let me hear you again. I'll do whatever you say. Listen, you won't miss God. Okay? You won't miss God. And what God will do is He will fine-tune our ability to hear Him and to sense Him, and we will know that we know. Okay? And when we do those things, He will pour out His blessings on us corporately, but He'll also pour it out, listen, individually. He will guide us. Man, when we go to the... When we drive, you, you, you'll hear things like, put the brakes on now. Now... I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you do. You'll be in a store and, and you'll do something wrong and you'll, you'll hear the Holy Spirit. That was not the correct thing to do. Or you'll be somewhere and he'll go, don't do that, don't say that, don't say that. I know you're thinking it, don't say it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. All of us have experienced that. Listen, if we will listen and we will obey him the potential for what He wants to do in us and through us is infinite. It's never ending. There's no ending. Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit so that we could live the life that Jesus lived. So that we could do the things that Jesus did. All of them. From the moral life to the way he thought to the way he acted when he was with people that were hurting to the miraculous life. It covers the whole gamut, folks. But we have to learn to listen. And we have to follow him. One of the prayers I pray every day is come Holy Spirit. When I pray that, I'm saying, okay, God, I'm, here, here I am. Use me any way that you want. I'll do whatever you want to do. Now, you know what? I don't always do it, okay? But my heart, that's my heart cry. I'm learning to get my soul in line with the desires of my spirit, okay? So whenever I fail, I go, God, forgive me. And the quicker I, the quicker I do that, the closer I know I'm walking with Jesus. That's one of the ways you, you can test how close your relationship is. If it takes you three weeks to ask forgiveness, guess what? Y'all ain't walking together. It takes two or three hours, y'all may be walking on the other side of the road from each other. If it takes a minute or two, a second or two, you're pretty close, okay? I could go on and on, but I'm going to stop, okay? I just want you to understand that, you know what? We can grieve him. We can grieve Him in the way that we, we act, the way that we think, and the things that we do. We can quench Him. Okay? When we want to pour water on somebody whom God's working in. You ever heard anybody say, well, you know what? He's just a Jesus fanatic. You know what a fanatic is? A Jesus fanatic? It's just somebody loves Jesus more than you do. Okay? Man, I want to be... 
a fanatic when it comes to Jesus. I won't be like David. Okay, David danced in his underwear. Now, I don't know that I want to dance in my underwear, okay? I've already <laughs> spurted champagne instead of shampoo out this morning. I've all had a good laugh. But I want, to do, I, don't, I, I want to get to that place in my relationship where I don't care what anybody else thinks, okay? If I want to just start singing and everybody looks at me like the screws in my brain have dropped out and everything's loose, I don't, I don't want to care anymore, okay? I want to love him like he loves me. Folks, he loved you. Not, not just me, he loved you enough to die. Okay, you got to love somebody to die for them. And it wasn't just the people. He didn't just die for the people that liked him. He died for the people that nailed him to that cross. To the people that hung on the others, either side of them. To the soldiers that shouted the curses. To the Sanhedrin. To the Jewish leaders that condemned him based on lies. He loved them and died for them. Okay? That's where we got to go, okay? And one of the ways we do it is just to invite the Holy Spirit to come every day as individuals and as a church, okay? He'll take us where He wants to go. Our job is to follow. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash eagleswing church thanks for listening and have a blessed week